the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> But it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. And there's a classic for every craving. Mix and match two for just $3.50. Like a McChicken, a McDouble, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Two English Majors. One analysis, a show where we analyze literature in reference to pop culture. This week, we are analyzing a beloved tale of Lord of the Flies. And here is Alyssa with the book synopsis. Lord of the Flies remains as provocative today as when it was first published in 1954, igniting passionate debate with its startling, brutal portrait of human nature. William Golding's compelling story about a group of very ordinary small boys marooned on a coral island has been labeled a parable, an allegory, a myth, a morality tale, a parody, a political treatise, and even a vision of the apocalypse. But above all, it has earned its place as one of the indisputable classics of the 20th century for readers of any age. And here is the IMDb for the film that was made in 1963 for Lord of the Flies. It's a pretty short synopsis of what the movie is. I can't. School- <laughs> it's 11 words. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's only 11 words. Uh, Schoolboys marooned on a Pacific island create their own savage civilization. And that's it. That's all you get going into the movie for the 1963 film, which is one of the major reasons you kind of want to have some insight as to what you're going into. <laughs> I think, Alyssa, you mentioned earlier your mom thought that she was going into a horror movie in the 90s for the 90s version, which yeah. we'll not be discussing. And it was not that. Yeah, she, I don't know, when I kept telling my family that we were going to be doing this, this book for this week, they were all like, oh, man, that's such a sad book. I mean, Alyssa, you're going to cry when you read it. And I'm like, I've, I've already read it. I, I know what happens. And yeah, so I was just like, I, I know how it ends. So like, that's a terrible book. Why would you? And it's like, because it's, it's a good book, too. I don't know. My family just got all up. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a classic book. And, you know, now it's. A lot of people we talked to in class earlier, you're like, they did it in high school or stuff, but I did it in seventh and eighth grade. And I know nowadays it's very popular for eighth graders to read it. And I feel like this book is a little heavy for eighth grade comprehension. Yeah, when you told me that, that blew my mind. We didn't read it till probably my sophomore. Yeah, it was my sophomore year in high school when we read it because it has such very dark themes and very dark tones and imagery yeah it's like kids killing kids which is just wild I think for like eighth grade or seventh graders to read about because it's insane well and yeah like you said it's dark tones dark you know a lot of the book is like and it's centered around you know killing not just of like animals but of people and so like it just kind of like creates this like whole kind of drowsy turn yeah and so now ashley is gonna read from her book a little bit of insight on the author william golding and this is directly from my book i have the penguin classics deluxe edition which includes like a foreword from lois lowry and it has an intro by stephen king which we'll actually do a couple quotes from just because we both found it interesting and some of the feedback we got from our first podcast was to include some quotes from the book just to kind of like 
help with our analysis and understanding. Starting now, William Gerald Golding was born in Cornwall, England in 1911 and educated at Oxford University. His first book, Holmes was published in 1934 following a stint in the Royal Navy and other diversions during and after World War II. Golding wrote his first novel, Lord of the Flies, in 1954. And so I think it is important to note, that's what all I'm reading from the book really quick, is that this book takes place during a fictional World War and he happened to write it right after he gets out of the war. So it does kind of like have some context of maybe why his head was in the place that it was of this like savage civilization. He just got out of war and now he's writing about a fictional war where boys are stranded on an island. Mm -hmm. But also I think it's just good to kind of understand the author to some extent because it's going to help with the rest of the story, which we will get into. Yeah, well, it was like, if you're in war, you're going to see a lot of savagery and killing from, like, both sides. So I think a lot of that is, like, put into play here on what he thinks of human nature and how we always kind of go back to, like, this animalistic sense of who we are. I don't know. It's just how it how he writes it with a lot of the imagery, too. It's very... I don't know. He was just obviously very in, in a very dark place when when writing this, especially like with PTSD coming back from the war. Not that I know that he has it, but anybody who would come back from something like that would not mm-hmm. be the same at all. Well, and I think it's important to note that this book was published in 1954 and the movie comes out in 1963. So the movie that we're analyzing, which we'll discuss more in depth later, is actually made in black and white and we mm-hmm. discussed it before recording, you know, how we feel like it loses some context being in black and white, but it's not the fault. That's just how movies were at that time. It was a black and white movie. That's pretty, I mean, we can't really say so from there of how it came about was from, you know, nine years after being published, movie comes out, Mm -hmm. black and white film. But one thing that we wanted to note that was actually um, the back of my book. I have a really bougie book. However... Uh, Alyssa has like a almost first edition of the book, which is a little cooler than mine. Mine just has a lot of extra insight. <laughs> she's she's being very nice. My book is literally falling apart. I can pull out all the pages from like the first introduction <laughs> all the way to page twenty nine, and even then, look at this. Like, you, you all can't see it, but it's literally like the next two pages are hanging on by like a single like little thread up at the top. Like it's in the binding is coming apart. It is <laughs> okay. So off talk, off topic, but low key kind of funny story. Uh, I was just in Florida the other week, and so I was trying to read this to get this done for today. And so I had left this out on the balcony to go get a drink from inside the condo. And next thing we know, like, we see, like, these flying things coming in through the uh, balcony, which it was a huge balcony. And so my parents were like, are those book pages? And then I was like, oh, no. So I ran out because we're like 10 stories up. And by the sheer grace of God, I had all of my pages and I did not lose a single one. It was beautiful but yeah she's being extremely nice when she says i have a cooler print because it is not (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna have all the other english majors coming after you for leaving a book out in the florida sun oh it it was under the (laughs) shade okay there was still shade i was literally going in to get some coffee like just pour it in the cup and stuff so 
All right. So from the part of my book that says on reading and teaching Lord of the Flies, it says maybe you read on your own, which it's referring to Lord of the Flies. And it was the first book that showed you savagery that lurks under the surface of civilization. So that's a huge theme throughout the book is kind of this nature versus nurture. You have these young schoolboys who are trapped on an island trying to build a civilization that makes sense to them, broken into like these three almost different communities of keep the fire going, signaling for people to come help, building shelter and hunting for food. And that's kind of where we have all these like other symbols come in. And again, I am going to read from the book just because we're going to talk about the characters and kind of how they all represent a different aspect of humanity. Before I read from the book, did you have any comments on it, Alyssa? No, you are good to go. Okay, so directly quoting from my book, but of course there's more at stake here than survival. If we focus on symbolism in the text, we can examine how each character represents a particular human quality. We can see how Piggy embodies intellect and logic, how Ralph is guided by rationalism and order, and how Simon exclu ex <laughs> excludes... English is hard sometimes. <laughs> ...inner goodness... Then there's Roger with his chilling sadism and Jack with his brutality and rage. So we have all these characters who are very important to the stories, especially looking at Piggy, Ralph, Jack, and um, Simon specifically throughout the story, which I am going to say... We mentioned it last week. We're mentioning it again. There's a lot of spoilers. Two of those characters I just mentioned died throughout the story. And they're young boys. So, of course, it's sad. Yeah, it's it's just a very sad, sad tale. And that we were talking about this earlier, how that was kind of, ironically, one of the bigger shocking points when this first came out. Because nobody wanted to talk about, like, children dying at all. It was a very, like, taboo subject. But nowadays, it's not really hitting that emotional point, like, as you said, because children now are so used to all this violence from, like, violent video games, violent movies. It's just not hitting that emotion like it would have when you would have first written this in, like, 1954 when it first came out. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and that's something that's mentioned in the foreword of my uh publication of this novel is actually Lois Lowry mentioned the how well she doesn't say it directly it's hinted towards how kids nowadays are more prone to seeing violence and being like comfortable with witnessing violence through different media whereas before when this came out in the 50s this was such more of like a shock value and like it mentions in the description it's provocative it's it's a lot once you get into it. I remember reading it in eighth grade. And that's one thing that we kind of want to do is talk about our initial thoughts when we first read this, you know, in high school and eighth grade is I read this and I could not believe that I was reading such a horrific story about kids killing kids in eighth grade. But I didn't appreciate it as literature until I became older. I feel like like initially I was like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like did this kid really just die in this book? Like I'm reading this for a class and they're talking about kids dying. And now as an adult, I can see like the symbolism behind like the society that they're trying to build and how it can go downhill. And I think actually that's one thing Alyssa and I are both anthropology majors. Mm -hmm. And so now that we can actually see society through like, not majors, minors. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're anthropology. I used to be an anthropology major. Now I'm an English major, <laughs> but we're both anthropology minors. And we, um, we kind of just like to 
look at the society context behind text anything we read. Yeah. We like to study people, which I think it's also very important to do when you read a book or you are an English major. Like history, English, and anthropology all kind of run within like the same line. If you know one of the things, you're going to be better at the other in, in somewhere, in some context. But yeah, like what I... <sighs> What my teacher did, and I think it was actually brilliant. I wasn't a big fan of this teacher, but I still think this was like an amazing activity to do. So if you're a teacher who wants to teach this book at some point, please like go ahead and share. But um, so she had herself a conch, which uh, the conch is a very important because within the novel, um, they uh, made it a rule that you could only talk when you were holding the conch. So she, before we read this book, she gave us, the this prompt of like imagine you uh crash landed on this abandoned island nobody knows where you are and you have to establish uh like some type of system to keep all of you alive and this was an entire classroom thing and the only time you could speak is if you're holding the conch sadly i i don't know i think i must have been on vacation or something i i just remember i missed this day but I heard uh, from the next time I came into class, that it was just complete and utter chaos. Nobody could decide on anything, on who was even the leader, or who was to do what, or how they were even going to survive. So I think it's a very good example like to put your students into that kind of situation because you don't know what to do. Like They're arguing constantly on who was going to be the leader. Like They couldn't even agree on that. So it's a very tough situation even in real life context that these kids are going through which in the book itself and it's shown in the movie as well initially all of the kids put this character who we talked about is like the form of rationalism and he is ralph and he is put in charge they all vote him as the leader however jack is super bitter about him being the leader and eventually actually goes and starts his own tribe which is one of the differences in the movie and the book so in the book, it's like he goes to his own tribe and then they have another vote within that tribe that he starts with the boys who followed him that they decide he's the leader. But in the movie, it just shows him kind of walking around while everyone's feasting saying, I'm starting my new tribe. Who wants to come with me? And that's how he becomes leader. So he just mm -hmm. says, you know, I'm starting my own tribe. Who wants to come? So that's one of the things that's kind of lost within the movie is the fact that like, yes, they vote Ralph in the front and that is put in the movie. But when Jack goes and creates his own tribe, they actually vote him in in the book, but they do not in the movie. It's just him creating his own tribe. Yeah. And so we were also talking about earlier, another thing that's kind of lost big time within the movie, but it's not something that can help is with the color and the, and the descriptions, because there's like this juxtaposition between how beautiful uh, Golding describes the island versus like the horrific scenes, which is described so vividly in like pinks and reds and... And it's just kind of awful because he'll describe these waters as like blue crystal waters with like the green, beautiful green palm trees surrounding, it, you know, and it's off. It's, it's, it's just a very awful kind of scenery that he's just trying to evoke like these bad things happening in this beautiful place. Almost like if you can think of it like Adam and Eve, like bad mm -hmm. things happening on paradise. Well, and one thing I notated, because I was trying to watch the movie and, like, go through my book, like, follow along, almost like I was looking at, like, a script, because that is one thing about Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies has a ton of dialogue, 
most of the novel, I would almost argue say, is dialogue. They do have a lot of descriptions about things, but there is tons and tons of dialogue. And the movie was as faithful as they could be, where most of the dialogue that is spoken by the actors is actually direct quotes that they say in the book. But one thing I noted for the color was like, the boy who controlled them was dressed in the same way through his cap and badge was golden. When his party was about 10 yards from the platform, he shouted an order and started help, gasping, sweating, and swaying. But before that, we get the heat of the tropics was the descent, the search for food, and now his sweaty march along the blazing beach had even given the complexions a newly washed plums. But you can't see, like, their newly washed plum mm -hmm. complexion within a black and white movie. All you can see, it's pretty much just a quick draw of, like, here's the color of their skin. It's either, in black and white films, it's pretty, they're like, they're like a darker shade of gray, or they're, like, white, and, like, you can tell that they're fair-skinned. Which, in the 1963 film, they're all fair-skinned, which is incorrect, because according to the book, Simon has dark tones. He's a dark-toned, skinned kid with dark hair, and in the movie, he's almost painted as this, like, how we would imagine, like, a God-loving child would be that was white. He's white. He has what looks like blonde hair. And he, like, kind of looks like, almost like that, like, Southern Baptist kid that would be, like, the, you know, the poster boy for Southern Baptist or Pentecostal children who serve God. Yeah, like, there's a lot of things that we think that are lost in the movie, just because it, it is a bit dated, um, for example, a lot of the, as awful as this is going to sound, a lot of the killing scenes are not as impactful as they could be within the 1960 movie because it is filmed within 1960s. And even within the 1960s or 1950s, like in TV shows, actors and actresses are not allowed to be in the same beds, like, or even be portrayed. Actresses could not portray pregnancy at all that was a taboo thing so like if they were to be in the same bed quote unquote they would take two twin size beds and then push them together so even though they were in the same bed they were not in the same bed like things were very done very differently so most of the killing scenes were done off camera and probably were not as impactful as they could have been if well, they were if the movie was made today or as they were in the book yeah, if the movie was made today, like, we would get the killing scenes in so much more graphic detail. But, like, the killing of Simon. So, if you've never read the book or watched the movie, what happens is Simon goes off and, you know, they're stuck in this forest, jungle, like, island. And actually, this is something that is lost in the movie is that he actually has a conversation with the Lord of the Flies, which is, if you don't know, it's a pig's head that they put on a stick after they kill it. And he's got flies swarming around his, you know, the pig's head. Simon goes off, finds it, and has a conversation with it. He hallucinates this entire conversation where he and the Lord of the Flies are talking to each other. So that gets lost. In the movie, Simon goes off and he talks to the Lord of the Flies, but he doesn't actually say anything. It's just him sitting, looking at the pig's head on a stick. Which, to me, just, like, completely just, like, 
terrifying. It's <laughs> yeah, but it's not as terrifying as this hallucinogen that's like happening mm-hmm. when he's talking to Laura Flies. I mean, well, it's like he's losing his mind when you get trapped on an island and you're told that there's this monster, you know, mm-hmm. going around or roaming around the island. You you create it yourself or you become the monster your yourself you know like we're all gonna go back resort back to like this weird primitive animalistic stage and it's and it's more so terrifying that these kids because again we have to go back to the fact that these are kids because that's super important Mm -hmm. and so you know i think the lord of the flies at least i think represents this kind of like old nature like very yeah, like I think it represents the paranoia that we all have that somebody is out to get us or that someone is out to get us. Someone or something is always out to get us. Well, and I'll get to Simon's like very famous quote here in a second. But like when Simon is having this conversation with Lord of the Flies in the book, he literally says, this is from the Lord of the Flies. Come now, said the Lord of the Flies. Get back to the others and we'll forget the whole thing. Like, you're a child hallucinating this pig's head on a stick talking to you. And it's like, just let's just forget the whole thing. Go back to the others, which, spoiler alert, when he goes back to the other, that's when he gets murdered. So it's almost like this like crazy foreshadowing of he's like, the Lord of Flies like, no, like, I might be dead, but go back to the others. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just go back and forget the whole thing. But in the movie, it's just Simon literally sitting crisscross applesauce looking at the pig's head and all of a sudden like the camera zooms into the pig's heads and you hear the flies buzzing all around i think maybe that could have been an artistic choice from because i was even talking to you earlier about if they were to redo this movie and i love a good movie score but i think it would be so much more impactful if um they had more like a of an avant-garde if it or if it was just jungle sounds to mm-hmm. kind of bring you to bring the audience more into the movie especially with this even though you don't get to hear like the pig's voice or the lord of the flies voice in the movie i think that makes it much more real and terrifying because you know that simon he's something is happening within his head when he looks at mm-hmm. the Lord of the Flies, but you don't know what. So it kind of brings that mystery, that kind of draw towards it. I kind of, I actually really like that well, when I first watched the movie. So I think part of it though, too, is like having, since both of us had read the book before the movie, we knew what was happening in Simon's head. Whereas if you only watch the movie, you don't have the insight. You're just like, why is this child looking at this pig's severed head, listening to the flies buzz around? And one thing that we get, like, before this scene, Simon at one point, all the others are talking over him, but he has the conch. And so finally someone says, like, shut up. He has the conch. Let him talk. And he says, and they're talking about this beast. And that's a reoccurring thing throughout the, they're looking for this beast that's trying to get them. And all the hunters are telling everyone, like, don't worry, if there's a beast, we'll kill it. And Simon says, what I mean is, maybe it's only us. Like, maybe we're the beast maybe we're making it up which is like a huge foreshadowing and insight into the entire novel of like these kids are almost creating this beast to escape the reality of being trapped on the island like it gives them something to kind of cling to to be afraid of to give them power well it also i think it kind of represents kind of like this religion in a way too 
where I I was born and raised uh, a Catholic, but I'm not myself a very religious person. But people, and I'm not saying this to like judge or criticize anybody who believes it, because my family is very very religious family too. But people will cling on to like religion for like anything, kind of use that to justify their means for like wars and killing and stuff when when I think what Golding's trying to get at here is there is no justification even if you think your friend was a monster it doesn't mean that's the truth or what happened doesn't mean you should revert to killing said thing either well and after um they murder Simon because what happens is Simon comes back from his talk with the Lord of the Flies and it's dark out and all the boys are feasting and they're around this fire on the beach side and all they see is something in the woods coming at them and they're like, it's the beast, it's the beast. So they all grab their spears and go and just start stabbing him, not knowing who it is because it's dark. And that's um something that Ralph says to Piggy is he says that was murder. And Piggy says, no, we were scared. We didn't know. Like Piggy's trying to like rationalize like, mm-hmm. The idea of like, well, it wasn't our fault because we didn't know. But Ralph is like, no, murder is murder. I am rationalizing this. Like, it, it's murder because we killed someone. It doesn't matter that we were scared. We killed him. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic. Well, not ironic. Uh, Golding did it on purpose. Whereas at the very, he killed uh, off the rational and the good person within the books. He killed off Piggy and then he killed off um Simon which those were both quote unquote good people um within within the novel so and the people who uh, or the kids in this sense who were not the greatest or who went on their own or who did these horrific things ended up living and getting off the island so that's kind of Golding's view on life in itself that good people never prosper you can even take it as that yeah i would agree with you there but then we have, I'm just going to kind of like switch modes of like what also was missed in the film. So in the book, a ship passes by that Ralph sees and all the hunters with Jack and everyone are gone and Ralph sees that they have let the fire grow out. So it creates this argument between them. And this is kind of where we start to see like that segregation happening between the two areas. In the book, it's a ship, like a boat passing by. In the movie, it's a plane. They see a plane fly over. And I don't know if that was just a style choice or because it was, like, easier to make, like, a plane flying by rather than, like, a ship off the island. But it's a completely, like, noticed thing. I remember thinking, I don't remember a plane going over them in the book, but it is a boat. So I don't know if that's just because it was easier to, like, film the plane Maybe, I don't know. It could also be because maybe the director thought it would have been more realistic for a plane to go over rather than a boat to just kind of sail by or something like that. There's all different reasons why a director can change something in a movie versus the book or something like that. No, I can see where you're going with that. Like, it can be, like, something that's different. But it was just, like, it's not a huge... It's not important to the story. It doesn't matter if it was a ship or a plane. Either way, they let the fire grow out. The hunters that were supposed to keep it up let the fire grow out. And that caused them to be, like, 
less likely to be saved at that moment. Piggy makes the comments that like, we could have been saved. We could have been going home. Mm -hmm. And you prevented that by letting the fire grow. We didn't have the smoke to signal them. But if we had... Yeah. Like, speaking which of, like, the fire, which this was completely nixed from the movie, which I think is actually very, very important, is when they first try to start the fire within the book. Um, all the kids is described as going scrambling, grabbing anything and everything, which is if you've ever tried to make a fire, that doesn't necessarily work. They're grabbing uh, wet logs, wet sticks, and all of this. And then, like, there's two twins in here, and they grab the dry leaves. But, of course the fire doesn't stay long. It just burns all the way up. But what ends up happening is they start this small forest fire within the jungle. And then you have Piggy who says um, that they were all, quote, acting like a crowd of kids, like little kids. Um, and that's when you realize, like, they are kids. These are kids thrown into a very grown-up situation where they do need this kind of sense of, they don't have this sense of stability. And you kind of learn that this is where, I don't want to say they're starting to go off into like this wild frenzy, but it also hits this awful point right here in the book where there is a kid who is described as having this huge birthmark on one of, on his face. Mm -hmm. And then nobody knows what happened to him. And they're blaming it all on Piggy because Piggy was supposed to uh, get count but everybody was running off and doing everything, trying to start this fire. So Piggy couldn't do that. And so they ended up losing a kid right then and there within this forest fire who probably died right then and there. And it's just this kind of awful, like silence in this awful moment where you realize that these kids really weren't like understanding or grasping their full situation up until this moment. Yeah. Well, one thing in the introduction of my book that Stephen King says, which I think is like really relevant to the whole like overarching theme of how Lord of the Flies should impact its readers is he says, this is the farthest thing from a scholarly introduction because there is nothing scholarly or analytical about my first reading of Lord of the Flies. It was so far as I can remember the look, the first book with hands strong ones that reached out of the pages and seized me by the throat it said to me this is not just for entertainment it's life or death and i think that's like a huge like impact throughout the whole novel is like this book when you are reading it the details that it goes into for when it was published are so intense it really does feel like the first time you ever read it, if you have no context going into this book, it really does feel like it grabs you by the throat. And the film, I feel like, just does not capture that same, like, feeling. And I don't know, I'm not saying that it's because it's black and white, because I think there is good black and white films. But, like, we lose the color contrast between, like, the red blood when they're slaughtering the pig. We lose, like skin tones even like bruises that the kids would have from the island we lose like the color of the pigs because in the movie you see the pig's head on a stick but like if you saw that in real life you would also see the blood running down the mm -hmm. stick and like you would see the flies buzzing around and it's just gone yeah pink is a huge color within this book like pink is used to describe like the sandy beaches the rocks and everything and then it describes obviously the pigs 
So you have, like I was talking about early, earlier, the beautiful contrast between the beautiful island and the pink sunsets, the pink rocks, and you have the horrible pink pig head on the stick. Well, and it's even described when our beloved Mr. Piggy, Piggy. when he dies, um, it's actually really sad when he dies. So, and it's extremely brutal. He pretty much gets like, you know, pushed into it. So the conch explodes and it, it turns into a bunch of fragments. It breaks. That's mm -hmm. not shown in the movie. The movie does not show the conch breaking, which is a huge symbol because the conch is what they used to talk. Mm -hmm. Like that's how they were supposed to like have that order. Yeah. Well, and it was like an order. Like you didn't talk unless you had the conch. It created order. The conch is also described as being pink. <laughs> that's a little side. Sorry. No, but then here's Piggy's death. Piggy fell 40 feet and landed on his back across the square red rock in the sea. His head opened and stuff came out and turned red. Piggy's arms and legs twitched a bit like a pig's after it has been killed. Then the sea breathed again in it a long, slow sigh. The water boiled white and pink over the rock. And when it went sucking back in, the body of Piggy was gone. So we have pinks and reds and that obviously we have the red rock his red blood but then it talks about how when the ocean goes up to grab his body the white foam of the ocean is then turned pink and his name is piggy piggy is a huge theme the lord of the flies a pig his name is piggy we get the foreshadowing of him dying throughout the book because it talks when you look at things around piggy there's lots of words like death and died constantly he gets smacked at one point and he has asthma and his glasses break from Jack hitting him. So it's kind of like this like foreshadow feeling of he's going to die. They kill pigs. His name's Piggy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that nickname was established very early on. And it's sad because Piggy is a very tragic character because in the very beginning, he tells Ralph, I do not want to be called this nickname that they gave me in school. And Ralph is like, okay, what well, nickname was that? And it's Piggy. And Ralph starts laughing and... It's this kind of awful thing when Ralph starts laughing at it, but Piggy kind of enjoys it a bit because he's like, I'm finally getting this attention. And then he, Ralph tells all the other kids who will all start laughing too. And then Piggy just distraught because he's like, I told you not to tell anybody else. Why would you tell that? And even as a reader, we never learn Piggy's real name. Mm -hmm. We only know him by Piggy. Yep. And then, you know, when he dies... It talks about how he's twitching like an actual pig. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a, it's a horrible image to picture in your mind this young boy who fell and died on these rocks. And then the ocean just sucks him up. And that's, that's it. The ocean takes him. We don't have a lot else to go off of. Yeah. And I feel like in a black and white film where you have the color of the ocean, the rocks, the red blood, the sea foam, everything, the black and white film just doesn't do it justice mm -hmm. well sadly i think they were going to like hollywood at least is going to do a remake of this but with all girls and i was really excited to see it but darn it covid ruining everything for everybody <laughs> you know so we don't even get to see that i don't even know if they're still thinking about making it but just all the different things they could do nowadays to truly kind of bring it to life or even to change some of the aspects with like females that have been very enlightening and like very different because something I love about 
this book is that the context is still extremely relevant to this day. It is a book that has aged very well. Mm -hmm. Like very, very well. I think no one can argue the fact that we all have our moments where anger or fear or paranoia controls us for even like a good second. Oh, yeah. And like most of that, we kind of see like, the kids get scared from this idea of the beast. And that's kind of what fuels into Jack. You know, he represents brutality, rage. I've even seen tags when I was doing research for this, where he's tagged to represent like a mob mentality. And like, he has like, like he's the leader of the mob. He's the one that rallies them up to go do everything because he wants to be shown as like, like this leader of the boys. Like he was so jealous when Ralph got picked for being the leader of the group overall. And then like we mentioned earlier, he starts his own tribe. So then he's like this leader, but he leads through fear and through like, I want to say commitment, but it's like a commitment to serving him, not like a commitment to serving the tribe. He makes it sound like he wants to serve everyone but really he just likes the power yeah from what i remember of a mental note i made myself when i first started reading this book in high school like when it says ralph was more rational ralph was a leader because he genuinely wanted everybody else on the island to make it out okay jack became a leader because he just wanted to be a leader and because he wanted to have fun quote-unquote fun which he thought was killing Jack thought that killing things was a lot of fun and having these bonfires and dance parties. I I, I should say dance parties, but it's a very, like, more think of it, again, as, like, paganistic kind of worship. Yeah, very tribal. Like, very, like, they're dancing around a fire, like, just, or whatever. But that can kind of go back to, like I said, like, the fire... I don't know. It's just very different from how Ralph was. Ralph was making sure that they were building shelters, that they all had food to eat. But a lot of the kids... The fire signal. Yeah, but a lot of the kids were like, no, that's too boring or that's too much work. So again, I think it just, it also kind of sends out this message between the difference between, I guess, adults and or kids. But you can also think of it like maybe the kids truly are like an adult would be since they are kind of a pure form of what we are you, you, do, yeah. you get, do you get i know it's a well, weird way of saying it but do you get what i'm trying to say it's just kind of like back to that nature versus nurture i mean you put these kids in the wild who have been you know they're from a british boarding school they're supposed to be civilized young men from this school and you get them into a spot where they have no adult rules or anything and they kind of take to this like nature versus nurture where nature overcomes and they become savages i mean we talk about it in anthropology all the time as well too like you know the cultures you have them ranked you know there's yeah. like savage and then there's kind of like that middle ground and then there's civilized yeah um yeah sorry i had a brain moment there but what i was gonna say is like the fact that Jack wanted to be leader and the only reason at first when you first read this the reason why Jack wanted to be leader which blows my mind is because, like, well, I'm head choir boy. Yeah. Okay. 
okay, choir, but like literally he was just head of some type of choir. That was it. I think it ties back into my idea that he just likes the power. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that he like enjoys leading. He likes people looking to him as someone in power yeah. Yeah. and he likes killing. And that's actually something Ralph mentions from the book. He's like, you like it. And he's like, no, I don't. And he's like, you enjoy killing. That's what the issue is. And so the book actually ends where Ralph is being chased by them and he knows he's going to die. And all of a sudden he finds himself on the beach at the foot of an officer. And the officer looks down at him because they had accidentally set fire to most of the jungle. And that's what led them over to them. And Ralph starts crying. He starts crying and, you know, he tells the officer what all has like, you know, started to happen at the end of the book. But that's completely gone in the movie. In the movie, he sees the officer and it's pretty much like it leaves it off on almost a cliffhanger, which, you know, is something movies are known to do. Like they leave off on cliffhangers. They want you to think more about it yourself as an individual. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it almost takes away that moment of like Ralph crying, like, of what has all happened on mm-hmm. this island because they are kids. And it's almost like a once they see an adult, that reality sets in. Yeah, it was just them on this island. And there's this realization, we killed people. There's some parents, there's some adults out there who are going to realize that they're not going to have their their kids back because of what happened and what we did. This wasn't like a force of nature that killed them. It wasn't out of any circumstance, we did that. It was because of us. Even even within this book with the kid with the mark, mm-hmm. they started that fire, even if it was on accident, they started that fire, which consequently, I can't say it, consequentially? What? Yeah, consequently. <laughs> anyway, anyways, I can't say it. <laughs> they killed that kid. So that's a very huge thing to take upon your shoulders at the age of 12 because Ralph, Jack and and like Piggy or and Simon are some of the oldest kids within this book and they are only 12 years old. So if you can imagine being 12 years old having that kind of responsibility over many of these kids for what we can assume is months because it's it says about it talks about their hair growing much longer them getting these deep scabs and like sunburns of like peeling sunburns on their backs and skin and stuff like that. So you can assume they were on that island for quite a while. I don't want to say maybe a year, if not a year, it was pretty months, but I don't say it was any longer than like two years or something. Yeah. Well, and like, I think another huge part of this is like one of the questions that gets asked within the text. That's like a quote that's pretty well known from this is a, what are we, humans or animals or savages? And it's like, they make this distinction. Like, the animals are higher than savages. Mm -hmm. Like, humans, it goes humans, animals, savages. And it's like, you know, Ralph is like trying to figure out, he's like, what is wrong with us that we've gotten this far? Because he does represent that rational thinking. Yeah, well, you can even think, animals only kill another animal to eat and to survive. These boys were killing each other out of pure fun. There's a difference between killing for survival versus killing for fun, which is what a big point that Golding was trying to make. Yes, like they get on this like ultimate power trip of like, well, I'm in charge. I'll do what I want. And then 
we ended up with our death of Peggy because I will say Simon's was more towards the accidental side along with the boy with the mark because they were scared it was night they thought it was a beast however it doesn't excuse them jumping to that conclusion because you know in the book you know Simon's screaming and in the movie it just shows like the boys like stabbing at something and then it like flashes to Simon with his hands up like trying to block it and so it loses a lot of like that terrifying feeling that this young boy is feeling as he's being murdered by his friends i say with putting up quotation marks i feel like you could still like today make this into a horror movie with just many of the things because you do have that supernatural element with the lord of the flies and that ambiguity within this book of like is it real is it not real is the beast real is the beast not real which depending on who you are you can assume it is you can assume it's not I'm personally, I am personally going to assume it's not and that it's all in the boy's head as a kind of scapegoat. Yeah, as a kind of scapegoat for some of the things that they do. Or it's like, because actually, as I mentioned earlier, the kid with the mark on his face was the one who first mentioned that he had a beast. But this kid was like, it doesn't give you an exact age in the book, but he's very little. Mm-hmm. They say that he's a very young age, which kids can see anything in the dark or in their minds, you know. Kids see so, monsters under their bed that aren't there. Yeah, so it... And so this little idea was just kind of planted right then and there through everyone's brain. And so they kind of use it like, oh, it was the beast. is because we thought it was a beast or a monster. Like, you guys literally put a pig's head on a stick <laughs> and called it the Lord of the Flies. And you're going to tell me... That well, they didn't say he was Lord of the Flies. They, it was to appease yeah. the Lord of the Flies. You know, you all create your own religion. Like this is what I mean when, I, when I'm talking about. It. It's like its own like religion. There has to be some type of cult. cult. I don't want to say cult, <laughs> but you have. And within a lot of societies, you need some type of moral standings to uphold, and that's I think sometimes a good thing that religion can do it kind of sends out like these are some more moralities that you need to uphold. They can be good or bad, but you have a structure of like, this is good. You should do this. This is how you should act. But like, you know, like within the Christian, you know, love thy neighbor as, you know, Mm -hmm. thyself, meaning love everybody. You know, that's a good morality. Do not covet some, do not covet thy neighbor's wife or something like that. Do not want something that is not your own. You know, enjoy what you have, which is another good thing. But then you can kind of get into like early on in the Old Testament where they have some bad things. But still, you have these like set of moral codes that you cling on to as quote unquote human to be able to live by. Because what if not if we don't have morals, what are we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I feel like overall... This book raises a lot of like moral questions. And I feel like as a reader, you read this and you're like, oh my gosh, I could never like imagine doing this kind of stuff. But then if you think like when you're trapped on an island and nowadays I feel like, you know, back then this was like a newer concept. Not that people didn't get trapped on islands when this happened, but you know, now we have a lot of shows that are popular, like Lost Mm -hmm. and like, there's just so many where people get lost on an island and the question of morality when you're trapped in that situation, the question of your humanity playing a part versus like the savagery that could come from you. 
is a way more popular opinion now, but I feel like this literature is a great way of like getting into like your own mind of, well, how would I act? Like you said, your teacher did that exercise. Mm-hmm. It was a and, very good exercise. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of sad that I missed it because I would have loved to have been a part of that. I'm kind of still curious, like, I don't know, just for me to bring in a conch one day <laughs> into one of our college classrooms and be like, here, form a government. Here you go. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just, it, I think it's just very something that like gives you something to think about, especially if you're kind of, you're not thrown into the world, but you're kind of acting like you are. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on Lord of the Flies? Anything we missed? Um, not something that's really been already said. I am literally picking up pages right now because <laughs> this entire thing is, it's, it's rough. Um, yeah. So I think another thing that I really like, um, that said on my book, it's like page 35, but they're like, this is again with the fire that they're building. And so it says, um, they're trying to pick up this big log and it's quote, almost too heavy. Jack grinned back not for the two of us. So I think that kind of foreshadows that they're friends right now, but you kind of know that they're going to split up because they are the two strong ones Mm -hmm. within the group of boys. But they're strong for different reasons. Yes. 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 Like Jack is very brute force and we have our friend Ralph who is very rational and orderly. But overall, I think we've pretty much covered a good analysis over Lord of the Flies. Um, unfortunately, because the movie was made in 1963, it is a little older. It's a little harder to compare to. Mm-hmm. We got what we could and talked about differences in it. Like we said, they stayed as faithful as they could to the original like novel itself. And one thing that me and Alyssa wanted to add that was actually suggested to us by one of our listeners thanks uncle brad um (laughs) was that (laughs) just to like say what we're gonna do next week that way if any of you that are following along with our channel want to read it you can have the time to read it and then listen to the next analysis we do so we are going to be doing this we're starting off we're going to publish every two weeks which gives us time you know we are two english majors we're in college we are a little busy But we're going to be doing To Kill a Mockingbird. It was actually suggested by one of our listeners also because they're currently reading it. So we're going to do To Kill a Mockingbird in two weeks. So every two weeks we will be posting on Mondays. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited to read. I haven't read this one since high school either. I think this was uh, either freshman or junior year since I've read it. See, I read it in eighth grade. And I think that To Kill a Mockingbird, especially now since we have like Black Lives Matters and all these Mm -hmm. other movements, it's going to be something that's going to be really impactful to reread. Yes, I am super excited to reread this, especially like, I don't know, when you read books in high school, it's very, it's very different. Because I, I don't know, especially in high school, I was like, I don't want to be reading this. I don't want to be reading this. Whereas like now it's like, let's go like let's do this you know or you were you have a better understanding of what's going on oh yeah and like you definitely in high school you're like oh I have to read this for a class but like when you're an adult and you're reading things because you want to read things you definitely appreciate it a lot more oh yeah it's it's a lot more fun even if you're an English major reading things is a lot more fun oh yeah because we learn what to look for yeah (laughs) Especially if you, like, have a really good professor that tells you 
All of our professors are awesome. In case any of you guys are listening, I know I've told all of you to listen. Please listen. Please listen to our (laughs) podcast. We love you all. We're not desperate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's pretty much all we wanted to say. Um, We are working on a website and hopefully soon we will start an Instagram where we will be posting updates. Um, So neither of those things are up now, but hopefully by next episode, we'll have a happy announcement that we will... Get on those for you guys. So, yes. But yeah, we look forward. Please, like I said last episode at the end, we have an email to English Majors One Analysis, and those are spelled with the numbers not spelled out, just the number itself. So it's two English Majors One Analysis at gmail.com. You can email us with any suggestions you have or any critiques, or if we ever get something wrong, I mean, just tell us. Yes, so. please. Any feedback is good feedback. And again, thank you for listening to Two English Majors, One Analysis. Bye. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.